Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Matter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Pastor, this is the 52nd episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. That means we've been doing this for a year. You haven't. Uh, I haven't done No, no, you have not, because you missed last week. Uh, so you've got true. one more week. We had Ramblin' Randy. We had Ramblin' Randy here, so I've been doing this for a year. You have not. Okay. I'll, you got I'll, one more week, man. But it has been, yeah, okay, we'll go, we'll go with it. Uh, but anyway, it's a special day for sure, and uh, this is one-year anniversary, and we're excited to have Jared, our favorite, I am one of our favorite IMB no, he's missionaries. My favorite. He is my And, uh, of favorite. course, uh, we've become really good friends with Jared, uh, had opportunity to spend some time with him in the past, and we just appreciate what Jared's doing in Taiwan with the IMB. So, uh, Pastor Tommy, why don't you just uh, introduce us and get us going? Yeah, so we're going to have an interesting conversation with a dear brother of ours. And if you're part of the Northwood family, you've met Jared before. He and his uh, family have been with us. He's done some conferences with us. I've known Jared, I don't know, Jared, about eight years now, maybe? I don't remember when it was that I met you. But it was, um, I I was at my my previous church, had a buddy there who was... um, an IMB missionary alongside of Jared, and I and I met Jared on a short-term mission trip over there, and have just formed a great friendship with him, and he's been a blessing to Amen. me. You know, Trey, we've all got those those friends in life mm-hmm. that just are every time you talk to them, they're an encouragement, they challenge you, and Jared's that kind of guy, and I appreciate the work he's doing in a different part of the world. And the reason why we want to have this conversation today is because we're still in the midst of this COVID pandemic, and um, you know, in this COVID pandemic. Most of us have an American perspective of this pandemic, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. This is where we live, right? right and we're right. inundated with it in our in our city, in our country. And so do we just think about it from an American perspective because that's perspective we deal with every single day. Mm-hmm. But this has been a pandemic, obviously, that has affected the entire world. And it's affected Taiwan kind of uniquely, but Jared isn't just involved in Taiwan. He uh, works with churches all over um Eastern Asia, and in particular in China. And so, I mean, he's got some some firsthand experience mm-hmm. as to how this has affected a different part of the world in which we live. And I think some of the things he's going to share with us today are going to be really helpful for us to think through how God is at work in the midst of this pandemic, not only in the States, but in a crazy part of the world. And so, Jared, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And excuse the feedback there, but me. thank you so much for joining us, Jared. Hey, man, tell us, before this pandemic hit— what was ministry like for you in Taiwan? Give us, because I know a lot of people listening aren't familiar with you. So just give us a little bit of background of what you were doing and how your family is involved in ministry there in Taiwan. That's right. And I first want to say, though, that the feeling of uh, friendship and mutual benefit is mutual. So <laughs> it's been great uh, to work with, uh, work with you, Tommy, for all these mm-hmm. years, and then also with Northwood whenever you moved over. Um, we, for our family in Taiwan, um, it's, it's a little unique for me because I am responsible for an area that's much larger than just Taiwan. So my family is more involved in Taiwan uh, than I am because mm-hmm. I was traveling a lot before the pandemic hit. I would travel about two weeks every month to mm-hmm. different places. So we're responsible for a lot of Chinese churches working with them around the world as well as Chinese missions as well. So we work with Chinese missionaries 
coming out of the big country as well as Chinese who live outside of China as well to engage the nation. So it's it's a it's a multi-pronged focus that we're working on uh, here from the outside. But in Taiwan, um, really, it's working with local churches. We're we're with the IMBs. We work a lot with Taiwanese Baptists. We work with more Baptistic churches as well. Uh, working with them to finish the task here in Taiwan, as well as send their own missionaries out into the harvest. By the way, uh, just to let you know, we uh, have set up a official first ever Chinese Baptist worldwide mission agency mm. and have our first five missionaries ready to be trained here in about three weeks. Wow. Wow. wow first ever, so yeah, I remember I was talking about that. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember you and I talked about that back in November. And so this pandemic has not stopped that from happening. It has not stopped. That from happening. It has, it has been detrimental to Chinese missions around the world, yeah. but God and his grace has really allowed this effort to really still continue, even though it, it by all rational means, it should not be working, mm. but, Locals are excited and they're funding it and they're putting it together. So that's one of, that's one of our bright spots. It's one of the things that still hasn't been able to continue. Although I do have to say before the pandemic um, working, I was scheduled and had already set up trainings to train Chinese missionaries around the world. All of those have been canceled. Uh, many of those Chinese missionaries have been isolated. They've lost their funding mm-hmm. um, it, it, and unable to have contact with their families and churches back inside of China. Mm-hmm. It's been, it's, it's a very messy, messy process. So before the pandemic happened, uh, working with churches wide open, we can do all kinds of things with them. Working with churches inside of China, they would come out, we do training, they go back in. Uh, we had work we we're doing inside the country as well. Um, and all that has been completely severed uh, because of the uh, pandemic as it has happened. We have watched systematic uh, shutdowns of churches mm. and uh, just got news uh, yesterday of some pastors that we know that were arrested. And, um, and, it's, and it's just, it seems bad and dire from many different angles inside of China. But then for our Chinese friends who are outside of China, who are Chinese citizens, right? So you have to think of the Chinese from China, and then the Chinese who are the diaspora Chinese who have a citizenship somewhere besides China. So those who have citizenship inside of China are, are having hardships around the world. Uh, many facing racism mm. when the pandemic broke out. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. uh, other people uh, just assumed they were carriers of the disease and, all, and they faced all kinds of racism. Our other Asian brothers and sisters who are not even Chinese faced similar things sure. uh, wherever they were worldwide. Here in Taiwan, though, it's been different. They clamp things down pretty quick, close the borders uh, pretty fast, and uh, we had pretty strict regulations on what we could and could not do inside of Taiwan. But one thing we could do is still go out. We could still share the gospel. Uh, one thing uh, the pandemic has done that's been great is it's reminded people that life is short, um, that death uh, could happen at any time. Uh, people are scared, and uh, so it's actually made it easier to share as people are more open and when they're considering the value of life and how temporary life can be. And is there a, a greater purpose to life than chasing money or, or, or any of the things that are so temporal uh, in our, in yeah. our world. So that's, that's a quick snapshot, I guess, if you will, uh, in some ways. So here in Taiwan's a little different. It's a bubble. We're able to share the gospel, do full on ministry. We're full blast in church planting uh, churches are really, uh, really seem to come on fire for Jesus and reaching people locally. And then also this whole, this, this mission agency has really shown, um, that they're interested also in reaching the world at the same time. I can say this, that we were told last year, all the mission agencies, there's local, there's a lot of local mission agencies, uh, doing different kinds of things. Usually what they are, are foreign agencies that have local offices. 
um, together, they sent out a grand total of eight uh, Taiwanese Christians as missionaries. And uh, so we were told, don't get your hopes up for being able to send out very many because all their collective efforts together only got eight. And uh, we have five that are fully vetted and have gone through the full vetting process, very similar to the IMB. And uh, funding is already in place. Searches mm. are giving and putting it together. And they're about to be trained to be sent out. There's a sixth one, too, but has to delay by six right, months. Right. So uh, it's amazing, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it is. it's been beyond our expectations and has blown us uh, just clean away. That's it's, really it's cool. very exciting to see what God is doing. Cool. Well, let's talk for a minute about the difference between Taiwan and China. So in Taiwan, you said that, you know, before we start recording, it's been three months since there's been uh, a coronavirus case, right? That's correct. So in Taiwan, you guys uh, shut down the borders pretty quickly, uh, did social distancing, all those kind of things, and it it really worked there. And so so in Taiwan, you guys have had a lot of freedom just to move around and Right. Just because of that. That's right. That's right. Schools never canceled. There never was a lockdown of any kind. We could go out. We could do what we normally would do in normal life. Just the difference is when you're out in public, you wear a face mask and you social distance and you wash your hands a lot. And everywhere we go, every building you walk into, someone takes your temperature. That's another thing, too. Is that still going on now? You all haven't stopped relax those things. It still is going now. So every door I walk in, there's a scanner that hits me in the forehead and they see Mm. if you got a fever or not we're probably gonna have brain cancer by the end of this <laughs> or it might or it might time. get rid of your brain cancer who knows or, or it might get rid of it that's right that's the other that's the other option that you might get but it's uh but they're still doing that even though there has been no cases they don't take any chances or any risk wow. at all and what that has allowed for us though is again we we walk out on the street because taiwan is an open country um, we get to walk on the street and pass out tracts and share the gospel mm. and do discipleship and meet with pastors. I just had all day training today on church planting with 14 uh, pastors today uh, we got to do. And all that is, is free to go. The cer- churches are able to meet, but what they have to do is they have to go at half capacity. So mm. you have to leave a gap in yeah. the pew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's space in between them. And you have to record who sat where. That was really? Too. And so that's mandated yeah, right. by the government and you have to turn that in? You don't have to, but the but the government would like for you to. And so all the churches are just being good neighbors. And mm. so the, the government has asked for the churches to do that. If they don't do it, they're not going to get fined or shut down or anything. But that way, if there is a problem, and there has been, right? There's so, so three months ago during the last, the last case that happened in Taiwan, what the case was was some sailors who had come into a port and, and did not go through the typical inspection and health checkup. And it found out three days later that a couple of them did have COVID and had tested positive for it later on. And what they did is they were able to track everywhere those sailors had gone Mm. in every place they had been and notified everyone who might have been in those areas at different times so that uh, they could all be tested. So there was, is on the news. They would say Mm. they're at this mall at this time. If you were at the mall during this time, uh, you need to get checked and that kind of stuff. They could they could just track their whole time. So with churches, what they want to be able to do is if that ever happened, which so far it hasn't, but if it ever happened, uh, they would then be able to notify everyone who sat around. So they know what seat they sat in and they'd be able to notify everyone who was sitting in the, in the seats nearby to say, hey, there was an issue. You should go get checked. So, so um, and I know, you know, obviously the United States and Taiwan are different, different governments, all those kind of things, but people there comply with that pretty well and, not a lot of pushback from people on that kind of stuff. I mean, that's 
Interesting. They do comply. They do comply very well. And the reason being that SARS in 2003 was so devastating Mm, to Taiwan. Lots of people died and everyone remembers it. Yeah. And uh, so they don't want a repeat of a SARS event. SARS was a coronavirus, right? So um, the moment they hear coronavirus, everything just flips back into shape like it was back then. And we weren't here then, but everyone tells us the way things are now is very similar to the stuff they had implemented back in 2003. So they were ready to go when yeah. it happened. They had, every, they had all masks and reserves. They had everything ready. So the next day, once it happened, everything just clicked into shape and everyone did as they were supposed to do to mostly it's always been presented as you do what you do to protect everyone around you. Interesting. So past experience obviously has helped shape current response to the present pandemic. Interesting. So that's correct. So, so, okay. So you've got that going on in Taiwan. Um, No cases there for three months. Okay. Let me ask this question. What's it like living in a country that right now is in some ways unaffected by the virus, but your countries around you are, that making sense? What's it yeah. like to live in that kind of environment where you're in a bubble and everybody around you outside the bubble is struggling big time? It makes it makes total sense. We have lots of our well, for one, we have colleagues, right? We have lots of our colleagues who are living in environments where it is rampant and they're stuck, and we're trying to do everything we can to help them. But there's nothing there's nothing practical we can do. We pray for them, mm-hmm. and we you know we'll call them and try to counsel. But that, that's all we can do. We can't yeah. be there physically. We can't mail things to them. We can't. Uh, help them in any way. And that's really difficult to do. And it's in some, in some cases it's colleagues that I supervise and work with. In some cases it's just colleagues that are out there. Some cases, national partners. I think the hardest part is national partners. One right. is colleagues, right? And we want to help them. And oftentimes there's just nothing we can do. The only thing they can do if they can get out of their country is go back to America. Yeah, yeah. But when they go back to the States, they have no idea when we're ever going to make okay. it back. Stop for just a minute, Jared. I mean, I, for m- many of us listening are familiar with the terms colleagues and national partners, but for those of us who are I'm listening sorry. who are not, no, that's fine. Can you explain to us what a colleague is and what a national partner is? Right. So colleagues, IMB missionary or another missionary who joined our team who's with another agency mm-hmm. or organization. Mm-hmm. Those are our colleagues. So they're, they're foreign missionaries on the field. And national partners are the locals, right, right. who are our local brothers and sisters who also want to see the kingdom grow among their own people. We want to partner with them to do it. Um, so, like, in, in, for example, in China, our national partners cannot get out of the country. There, there's nowhere they could go if they wanted to. So they're stuck with it. Um, they're, they're stuck with the pandemic, and they're stuck with a government that doesn't want them to be Christian. So they've mm. got, they got the, the double whammy. Mm. if you will, that. And on top of that, they're not able to meet. They're not able to, many of them are unable to go to their jobs. They can't work, trying to support their families. So there's, it's the, the problems are just so massive. And all we can do is watch from the outside, wow. from this bubble, right? And uh, we try, you try to uh, to pray with them and to comfort them. And, and you know that there's really nothing you can really say to really bring real comfort. They know that you're in a bubble in a very good situation, and we know that they're in a very bad situation. I can't go there and they can't come here. And, and prayer is the only thing we can do, right? And so that's what we do. But we wish we could do we wish we could do more. But we know Jesus does more than what we could ever do or imagine. We understand all that. Uh, but the that that pastoral missionary heart inside of us though just wants with everything we can to give practical help. And when there's really there's nothing we could do. The only mm-hmm. places I could go right now is here or the States. I can't go anywhere else, right? No countries are allowing anyone in, in this part of the world. And that's just our reality. 
So you have the colleagues, you have national partners. We have colleagues in situations that are not quite as bad as like a China, but still bad. And uh, so it, we have some that just got out of lockdown. They've been locked down for months and months and months, and they're finally able to get out of their house uh, just, as of just a couple of weeks ago in other countries here in Asia. Um, up to that point, they could go to the grocery store. One, one person in the family could go to the grocery store one time a week. Mm. And that was it, right? That, and so they've had kids stuck in their house for three, four months and then finally able to go out. But when they do, you go out for a little bit and you got to go back, right? So there's, there's, there's a lot of that going on. It's just, it's a, it's a total mess. So it's been extraordinarily disruptive to most of our ministry worldwide. There's unable to get out and talk to people. You can't do things. Uh, but the positives have been, it's forced churches to think on a, scale that they haven't thought of before so in many cases churches not in china so china's its own animal right outside of china and open countries like america uh, churches think we have to meet in a large building uh, before we can finally have church this pandemic has shown that's not true because most churches have had to move online mm. and or they move into a small group format and they realize the small groups work really well let me give you a good example um, it's actually here in taiwan uh, there was a period of time uh, for a while they asked church not to meet. You could still meet, but they asked them not to meet. And so my my church that I go to here, here in Taiwan, chose not to meet, partly because they have about 33% of their congregation is, is in the elderly category, the at-risk category. So they said, just to keep everyone safe, let's just not meet. We'll do online only. And we did do online. They said, but we also want to do small groups. We've been trying to do small groups for the longest time. They've never worked. <clears throat> Everybody wanted to meet mm -hmm. together at the building. We've been doing small group leader training for a while, so it afforded a perfect opportunity to finally get started. If you And everyone wanted to see each other face-to-face. -face. Like This is the only way you can do it. It's in small groups and homes, so that's what we did. Uh, today we have 16 small groups. Oh, wow. And they're thriving wow, that's and doing awesome. well. The church is meeting again on Sundays, but the small groups are still going, mm. and they're growing, and they're leading people to face. We had testimonies just this last Sunday they're doing four each Sunday for the next four weeks. And uh, of those four, two of them are highly evangelistic and have led a number of people to faith and are baptizing them very, very soon. So even though this is a pandemic, the ministry is still continuing and it's growing and it's afforded. It's forced in some ways the people to think outside the box of not thinking in a traditional way and realizing there's other ways of doing ministry that we did not think uh, could be done previously. So a digital online platforms have been, uh, I mean, a, a blessing. Yeah. Is in that even way. the case in, in, in China, more online kind of stuff? Because I know in China, you've it got is. an internet that's highly regulated by the government. How's it working there? You do. And there are a lot. And, uh, and because, again, it's 1.7 billion people, so they really can't regulate everyone as much what? as they want to, ultimately, <laughs> right? So um, they do. A lot of our friends, a lot of our uh, national partners are meeting online, and they're doing stuff in small groups online so when it's three or four people meeting or six or eight the government is not incredibly yeah, concerned with what they're doing they're probably not it's on the not, radar yeah. sort of thing not on the radar that's yeah, right yeah those that are more tech savvy you have to think of it this way inside china those that are the more tech savvy are able to get uh find loopholes and able to work on more mm. secure software they can meet larger groups and those less tech savvy work on local software where everything is watched everything they do and say is watched but they're in such small groups that nothing is really being done uh, to them. So that's been a positive. They've 
done a more online format. And because of that, they've been able to reach more people. Interesting. For example, I uh, preached a sermon uh, here in the, the church. The facility holds about 100. When you're at 100, it's max to capacity. You're at standing room only. Um, but so that Sunday when I preached, it was a lot of fun. We did, we're doing it online and a little bit alive. We did, opened up some. They said those in the at-risk category can come. If you're not in the at-risk category, don't show up. It's they allowed the address people to show up, mostly because their technology skills right, were not right, right. Really yeah. up, to, up to par, so they could be a part of it. But we had, so we're doing everything online, and we were doing it live at the same time. So people were feeding in questions during the sermon. I could address the questions as a part of the sermon. And then afterwards, we had an hour of question and answer afterwards, all with questions coming afterwards. It was a, it was a ton of fun. We had we had a blast. Yeah, it sounds like but it. But we, we had 450 people uh, be a part of that online wow. where there's no way you could do it no. uh, live and then feed into the small groups from that. So again, it's been, it's been really a massive blessing to do that. So now they're, they're continuing and they're continuing the online platform as well as live and the small groups. But we're seeing that in Taiwan. We're seeing that in China. We're seeing that with Chinese all over the world. We have another colleague who's doing it out of Spain. Um, they were doing everything in Chinese and Spanish. And again, large numbers of people being involved and lots of, Chinese Christians who previously were not involved in church because they're too busy with work were suddenly involved in church and now still are to this day. So again, there's, there's, there's the downsides of the pandemic, but there's the positives that really come out of this. This forced us to think in creative ways, which I'm very, very grateful for. Good, good, good. Well, listen, we've got a few minutes left. Let me ask you this question. Moving forward, particularly in China, um, it's already difficult there. Right. So what do you see for the church moving forward in China once we get on the other side of this pandemic? How will ministry, do you think, be different there? I think in in some ways we had been warning our partner, our national partners in China for a long time that that this is coming. We didn't know it's going to look exactly like this, but Mm -hmm. we knew something like this was coming. And we're saying they need to go small again. Uh, many of the churches were looking at the states and looking at Korea and saying, we want big churches and big buildings and in a church where in a country where it's illegal. And some are getting away with it. We're like, this is, this is not a good thing. You go back small, small and reproducible, and then you're undetectable in the radar, right? You can just move and, and multiply and, and reach your country, which is how China has been reached up to this point. Mm probably through small, undetectable groups that just multiply. And you can come and arrest the leader, but then they just spread and they just continue to spread, right? That's been how it's worked. What this has done is all the large groups are gone. They've There's a few government churches that are allowed to exist, but most everything is gone. Everything's gone small and underground again. So in China moving forward, the, the way to move forward is definitely through locals reaching locals, through small groups, and digital platforms. That's the best way moving forward. In addition to that, creative digital platforms that we're exploring and using and having to always change because the government figures it out, cuts it off, and we have to try a different route, try a different way in. So we're targeting that. The other way to do it is target Chinese from the outside. So when I say, I mean a spiritual targeting, of course, but we're engaging with Chinese when they're on the outside of China, sharing the gospel with them, discipling as much as we can with the hopes they'll take that gospel back into China and training them in ways that they can uh, be able to engage their their relatives and their classmates and their yeah. friends when they go back into China. Small, reproducible, undetectable groups. So, the way to move. so with the church being forced to go small again, with yeah. the uh, help of additional technology and digital platforms to do ministry, 
I mean, I, I guess for you, you probably see this pandemic actually reinvigorating in some ways yes. the mission of the in church in China. Yeah, that's right. For for the for the reaching of the Chinese in China, yes, it is very invigorating, and and while it's very difficult, it is very difficult to watch. It's very hard to hear news from my friends, those who get news out of the country, of them being arrested and persecuted. It's very hard, but at the mm. same time, it is also encouraging to watch the church be on fire for Jesus mm. and. They're not backing down in the midst of all this uh, difficulty. The downside, the key challenge, though, in all this is before they were able to organize well for funding of missionaries, to send missionaries out of China and to fund them. And they were doing that and doing that pretty well. And all that's gone now. It's uh, been wiped out for a variety of reasons, not just the pandemic. The government's used the pandemic to as an excuse to help cut things off. Um, but it's, it's a real challenge. So then how then does the church, whenever they're, decentralized and disorganized, how do they organize to send their own out into the harvest? That's another question that no one really has an answer to right now. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this question. It'll be the last question I'll ask you. So here you are, a United States citizen living in Taiwan. You, you're Because you've been away from the States for so long, for years now in, in, in your missionary service, you're kind of like an outsider looking in. You're very aware of what's right. going on in the States, but, but you're, right. you're not living here. So as an outsider right. who has been involved in the persecuted church, who's been involved in, in the international church, as an outsider looking in to the church in the States, walking through this pandemic, what would your encouragement be to the local church in the States as we walk through this pandemic here? I, w- I would say the church has the grand opportunity of being a light in the darkness of being a calm in the midst of the storm and the church needs to be very bold and very loud about the gospel message right Amen. now mm-hmm. uh, when people's lives are in are up in upheaval and they're in total chaos and they can look and the church is a place of refuge the church is a place where they're going to find the answers the peace that passes all understanding and the true hope of the gospel that can only be found in the gospel of jesus and that the church needs to not be so worried about politics, but much more worried about the souls of people in the states that need Jesus so, so desperately. I think that what we're seeing in the states, the chaos from the outside, is showing how desperately America needs Jesus. Mm. And it needs a really big way. And a, a cultural Christianity is not going to be the answer. It has to be the gospel yeah, and nothing else. Yeah. And that's what's ultimately going to be the answer that the states need. Yeah, that's good, Jared. That's very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the encouragement. And we're praying for you. Yes. Amen. uh, Amen. Amen. um, Know that here at Northwood, this church continues to pray for you, and we're behind you, man. And we we thank you for just giving us an update from the field today, man, and how we can serve you in the future. Please let us know. Trey, thoughts before we close our time together? Yeah, I just just want to reiterate to our people the importance of our, our, what we call life connection groups, our small groups. And we were actually talking about this in staff meeting today. And I've always said, this is our time to shine. You know, this is it. This is what we, this is what it's about. And so I appreciate you uh, reiterating that for us today, because I think that's so important that we remember it's not just about big church. It's about small church. And uh, we really get bigger when we get smaller. So uh, the importance of that is huge. So uh, thank you for doing that for us. Well, Pastor Tom has been great. And I appreciate you asking Jared on Jared. Thank you for being here. And yeah, uh, it's just you. been eye-opening for me, just this, these few minutes together. So uh, thank you so much. And our prayers are with you. My Your prayer card is on my refrigerator and on my desk, so I do pray <laughs> for you quite often. Thank you. And your family. Awesome. Thank you, um, you bet. 
Uh, Pastor Tommy, close us, and uh, we look forward to doing this again next week. Yeah, we hope this has been a blessing to you and a help to you as you've listened today and hopefully have give, has given you some insight into what God is doing in a different part of the world. So if this has helped you today, go ahead and, and share it with a friend of yours. Put it on your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed and get the word out about this podcast. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. And as always, we hope that today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.